This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Angie Nicholas. Dr. Nicholas is Chief Medical Officer of our health system. We're going to talk to her today about the Chief Medical Officer role, top priorities, advice for leaders, advice for those trying to have great careers, and a little bit more. Dr. Nicholas, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. Good morning. My name is Angie Nicholas. I'm the Chief Medical Officer at Einstein Medical Center Montgomery in East Norton, Pennsylvania. And talk about the role of Chief Medical Officer and top three priorities. So I think um, in this role, if you've seen one Chief Medical Officer, you've seen one Chief Medical Officer. And and as I talk to my colleagues across the country, it, it's interesting that we have all have a different kind of flavor of our of our jobs. Um, the one thing that I think I love most is that my my no two day no two days are the same. I mean, I can I can think I could have a completely you know the schedule looks almost exactly the same, and then you never know what's going to happen. And that's um, sort of the fun and the terror I think of being a chief medical officer all at the same time. Um, my role is a hybrid role as well. So I am I have operational responsibilities in my organization for the um, primary care physician group in my market. Um, I also have responsibilities for home health care and hospice, case management, registration, and the hospice program. Um, but then I also spend you know the other full time job of mine interfacing with the medical staff and um, and working very closely with our chief nursing officer and our um, clinical departments in growing programs and services. I think my take a moment. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say I think you know you you had asked about um, top three priorities. I'd say um, probably not in order, um, but of what comes top of mind first is quality of care, um, and making sure that our quality is the very best that it can be. Um, second would be patient experience. And then the third would be the growth of patient care programs that align with our mission and our vision. It, 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 take a moment and talk about sort of, um, well, you handle a variety of roles. You talk about quality of care, alignment of care, alignment of mission. How do you manage all the various roles that you handle? Do you have a, a way that you wake up in the morning and plan the day? How do you, how do you set priorities? How do you address all the things you have to touch on? Or is it all about getting the right people in place? How do you look at managing all your roles? Um, I keep a lot of lists. I have a lot of sticky notes on my desk of things that, you know, I think about like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that because sort of little task things. Um, but I also look at our quarterly priorities and and we have a tool that we plan our quarterly plans in based on, you know, again, our mission and our and our vision um, and our values. And so I do we do quarterly goals. And then we have tactics for those quarterly goals that line up. And so every week on Sundays, I try to take a look at those and make sure that I, you know, align my plan to what it is that I need to accomplish for that week. Um, and, and I also have been very diligent about planning time in my day for, you know, for the fire drills that happen. Um, you can't overschedule your calendar because then you're doubly overscheduled. And I really try to block time in my day to take care of the emergencies that happen um, so that the emergencies have time to happen. You know, I, I schedule my emergencies essentially um, and, you know, so that they can happen and I can then, you know, not feel like not have to, you know, cancel things that I that I really need to get done because they, you know, again, align back to my to my goals and um, objectives for the for the month or for the quarter or for the year. So, 
So it's really just planning ahead and knowing what's on what what you need to accomplish for the week and then planning time to have the um, opportunity to be able to handle things as they come down the pike as well. Fantastic. So talk a little bit about the evolution of your career, how you ended up in the role that you're in, and then maybe a few pieces of, pieces of advice for leaders wanting to have great careers. Um, you know, I, I ended up I, – I, no, I had no vision of being a chief medical officer. I mean, in my mind, I was going to be a family doctor, and I was going to take care of – you know, I was going to be the Marcus Welby. And, and I started out actually in resident education, and um, right when I graduated from my residency, and from there then really migrated to an administrative role in a hospital where I worked for the CEO. And, and that was a huge amount of learning for me. And, and it really helped me learn the value of good mentors. Um, and I have, and I've maintained mentors, you know, sometimes mentors kind of fall off the list. Um, but then I get gain new ones looking for new skills I need to achieve or, or for people whose um, situation I really admire and know that they have a nugget of information or um, some opportunity for me to grow and to learn from them. And so those mentors stay, you know, I, I have mentors that I work with both formally and informally on a regular basis. Um, the other thing that I think I've learned, and this goes against every leadership book I've ever read, is, you know, all the leadership books tell you to say no, you know, set your limits, set your boundaries, say no to things you can't do. Um, my answer is always yes, and then negotiate from there. Because I have learned so much by saying, you know, yeah, I, I want to learn how to do that. Yes, I want to, um, I don't know anything or know very little about home health. Let me take that responsibility on. I'll figure out, you know, what to do with everything else. And, and then that is a good opportunity to offload things to the people in your team that want to learn things. Um, I have I have multiple people on my team that want to expand their careers and they want opportunities. And if I'm taking on something new, it's my responsibility to give them something that they can handle, that they can manage, that they can learn from, because it's my job to teach them. And so that that has served me well and has given me um, given me the space then to be able to take on. Um, uh, to take on more things that I need to learn from and I want to learn from. And that's probably been the best, um, you know, how I continue to grow my role over time is just by figuring out how I can, how I can learn more. Um, I think the other thing is that, you know, again, with, with me having mentors, I then need to be a mentor. And, and I have learned a lot by being a mentor because I'm, trying to help people work through problems and think, you know, I kind of have that same issue. Like, how can I, what can I, what can we learn together to be able to work through issues? And, and I think the last thing is be the kind of colleague that you, you want to be. Um, you know, we all have horror stories or hear horror stories about colleagues that aren't kind, that, you know, backstabbing, you know, all the things that you see about and, you know, and TV shows and all of this, but, but I have to tell you, I've been very fortunate in my career that I haven't had a lot of that. And I've had colleagues that I have learned from, have collaborated with, and, and that collaboration is the key to pretty much everything that I do. I, I can't make decisions with the medical staff without including the nursing staff or including some of the ancillary services because, uh, you know, healthcare is a team sport. And so that collaboration of the of the um, the you know my peers in in my organization have really 
pushed me. I've learned from them. They learned from me and, and pushed me into growing, um, in, into growing the services. You know, if we want to expand and, and create um, an acute care surgery model, I need to include the nursing staff to make sure, A, they understand what it means, B, that they think this is somewhat of a good idea. I mean, they don't have complete veto power, but, but I found that being inclusive really makes for a better, a better work, workplace. Have mentors, be a mentor, say yes, and play nice in the sandbox, be a good colleague. And quite frankly, Dr. Nicholas, you appear as a wonderful person, and people tend to be nicer to people that are wonderful people too, generally. But, but be a good colleague, I think, is, is great advice. The, the point on saying yes, I think, is so important. You have this mm-hmm. big dichotomy in people, and you see it directly in different leaders, different people. Some of them are always willing to say yes to volunteer to take on things, recognizing that they're imperfect, that it's mm-hmm. going to be a work in process. And part of it is saying yes and saying, it's going to be a work in process. We're going to have to work hard at this because it's not an area we know. But yes, we want to take it on. Versus right. people that say no because they're scared to say yes, or they're afraid to say yes, and then their careers sort of get paralyzed because they don't say yes enough because they don't get those stretch opportunities and those chances to learn. I think this concept of of the, the the openness, and we see it in in um you know people that deal with other people, they're either open and willing to listen and yes, and the person on the other side of the the phone or the other side, whatever it is, realizes it. Or they're closed and finite, and they view the world as a zero-sum world. I either know how to do this or I don't, versus I'm growing and learning and saying yes. So I love the advice that says yes. And you're absolutely right. It goes against the mantra of so many business books that say you have to set boundaries. You've got to say no. you got to say no. And, and saying yes doesn't mean you're not setting boundaries. It's exactly what you're talking about. You're building a great team so you can say yes and take care of things. Right. Yes and do things great, but, but not and, yes and still have boundaries in life. But mm-hmm. I think your advice is magnificent. So let me let you continue on. Sorry about that. Well, thank you. Thank you. No, no, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I just, uh, y- you know, it, it, so many people have said to me, you know, you know, you, I mean, they've actually said to me, you, you never say no to anything. Like at what point are you going to not be able to take more on? And if I have a good team and I've built that team, I should be able to continue saying yes and continue giving them things that they can do and that they can grow. And that's, that's what I think builds an even stronger team because my team knows that I'm, you know, I'm, I, I want them to learn and I'm going to push them to learn and they want to learn so that, you know, and, and if you don't want to learn, I'm probably not the right boss for you. So, and I think, I think the last thing that fuels all of this is to have a passion in your life, be passionate about something. It doesn't have to be about work. Um, but one of the things I'm very passionate about is, um, is patient care and, and a, a subdivision of that colon cancer screening. Um, my husband died of um, colon cancer two years ago. And um, I am very passionate about making sure that our patients are screened for colon cancer. I, I work with a national organization called Fight Colorectal Cancer, um, whose mission and vision it is to cure colon cancer. Um, and so that fuels me and that, you know, that makes me want to come to work every day because I've been able to link my work to that, to that passion and, um, you know, the recognition that I have a bigger purpose here. Um, so, so if you're, you know, if, if you go through life and don't have something that you love to do or love to think about, or, or, you know, you, you, it's a, it's a, it's a boring, dull life. Um, and so you just, you know, being, being passionate about something allows you to have that spark that 
keeps you going, at least in my opinion, it does. Um, and, and so if you, you know, find something that you love and then do that because that's what keeps everything else, like the wheels turning all the time. I, I'm also a cyclist and I think a lot, you know, you, you're on the bike for 30, 40 miles. You think a lot. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've come into work on Monday and said, oh, I was on the bike this weekend and I thought about this problem. What if we did this? Um, my, my team, I think sometimes hates the fact that I have time to think sometimes because I, you know, come up with these crazy ideas, but that's how you, that's how you keep moving. And that's how you, you know, you, you move the, move the process along for all these um, great things that we do in healthcare. Dr. Nichols, what a magnificent perspective. I'm so sorry about the loss of your husband. What a magnificent way to fuel one's passion, turn that into a passion. What, what a horrible tragedy. Thank but you. what a blessing that you found this passion to help so many people. And I, and I think the cycling, whether your team likes it or not, is probably magnificent for your team in the long run and what you're doing and keeping the creative juices flowing. So I would encourage you to, to keep cycling and, and, you know, maybe we'll see you at the Tour de France. <laughs> maybe on the sidelines. <laughs> sidelines is good but, enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, Dr. Nichols, I want to thank you for joining us today. What a, what a wonderful pleasure to visit with you and what a wonderful perspective and career. Thank you so thank much you. for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Scott.